0: Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford.
1: Welcome to episode number 276 of the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is someone who's just come off the back of breaking the record for crossing the Cook Strait, Andy Donaldson, welcome to the podcast.
0: Oh, hello, Brenton. Thanks for thanks for having
1: me on here. Now I had John Hancock on the podcast a few episodes ago. He had a very respectable time, eight hours and change. And then you come along and <laughs> you average one ten across the Cook Strait uh, and breaking the record. You did four hours and thirty three minutes. And there's an unbelievable pace to hold for that time and that distance, and uh, just an incredible swim. And I actually had a number of people message me saying get Andy on the podcast. I want to hear his hear his story. What's he doing? What's his secret sauce? Uh, how's he feeling? All that sort of stuff. So I'd love to get into that today and a bit of the the backstory on how you came to do the the cook straight, but it's only a very small part of what you're, you're looking to achieve, which we'll get into. So let's just start with the swim itself, because this is probably very fresh in your mind having done this about a week ago. So uh, yeah, let's go through the, the swim. Where do you want to start? Oh, good question, Brendan. So yeah, I, I gone across to Wellington uh, at the start
0: of February with, you know, hopes of getting across to the Cook Strait and having a stab at it. And when I arrived, you know, it was was an eventful couple of weeks, Uh, Cyclone Gabrielle, you know, obliterated the country. There were a couple of earthquakes in Wellington, severe weather, the inter-Islander ferries were breaking down in the Cook Strait. So like all of these things were happening, you know, just as I arrived in Wellington. So not exactly, you know what you need when you're trying to prepare for <laughs> for one of these big swims across a, or across a channel. But you know on the flip side, you know, it was an incredible opportunity to meet a lot of the local swimmers over in Wellington. And um just swimming down at Fryberg Beach with a group called the Washing Machines. It was just a, a great opportunity to meet people there and swim with such a wonderful community. So uh, ended up waiting for about three weeks before there was a weather window opened up for the Cook Strait, and uh, it was a fairly daunting prospect. We were sort of proposed an idea to to swim at midnight
1: on on a Monday during something called a spring tide, and from uh, from there, so you, you had this window of opportunity. Uh, you've got the spring tide where there's basically water, more water movement uh, compared to the neap tide. So, uh, what was your, what was your headspace going into, into this swim? It's, it's dark, it's probably a bit cold and, uh, you're doing something that isn't really usually done. So what, what was your headspace like leading into it? Yeah, It's a great question of certainly a lot of uh, nerves, excitement,
0: doubts, all of it was creeping into my head, you know, we, we were trying something that, or well, we were about to try something that hadn't really had been done before. Not many swimmers have attempted the cook strait on a spring tide just because of that sheer amount of water that might be passing through a channel at that particular time almost being thought of being unswimmable so that was one aspect and you know the cook strait is kind of known for being quite sharky as well so to be swimming out there at night where you can't see anything during a spring tide where there was a good chance that you might actually be out there for a long time because of these currents i mean i had been told so many horror stories of people being stuck in the same spot just because of the sheer strength of the tides so everything was kind of playing on my mind in the run up to the swim but you know i think it's it's natural to have those doubts creep in you know we're all human after all the important thing is how you react to them and and how you choose to to process that information and and those thoughts uh, luckily for me i had a lot of good people around me I'd, I'd made some really good friendships with some of the locals who had come across to the cycle at uh, the south island to they very kindly offered to come and support on the boat so you know i, I talked through my my, my sort of thoughts and what was on my mind with them, along with the the organizers, Jacqueline McClellan from Infinity. And, you know, together as a team, we, we sat down, addressed those issues together and and come up with a real solid plan that, you know, we could we could focus and, you know, think about the things that were within, within our control because ultimately that's all you can do. And whatever, we were just of the opinion, whatever happened out there happened. Uh, we'd be just giving it our best go.
1: And how long into the swim did you or those on the boat realize things were going reasonably well, where maybe some of that doubt had left their mind about leaving on this tide? Uh, so, yeah, I, I suppose it would
0: have been maybe about an hour in. So the skipper it was a guy called Grant Orchard from Catabatic Charters. The plan that he'd devised, we were just going to leave I think it was shortly after the load died. And essentially what he had said was, in the first hour, we really need to get to work. There might be some really strong localized currents that we have to kind of push through and get past before things kind of flatten down. And there is like slack in the water, so minimal tidal movement, and we can really get to work and, and make some progress. So essentially I came flying out the blocks, probably sitting around 110s or under, underneath 110 pace. Uh, per 100 meters and uh, we got through that first hour i think in just over five kilometers Uh, (laughs) like i saw that we were communicating using a whiteboard so i saw the sign come down i was like oh crap that's (laughs) that's not too bad and you know it it felt quite comfortable so i just thought well i'll just keep going at this pace Uh, and so you know you see stuff like that and obviously if that was in a pool that's quite a decent pace but you're out in the open water and there's so many different variables and, and factors that can contribute to a swim of this length you know you might have covered 5ks but it might have been in the wrong direction so I just I tried not to get too excited you know you still got a job to do so I was just focused on the process and, and you know the current moment and uh, tried not to get too you know ahead of myself so I think it would have been about two hours in. We were all at around 11 Ks. And again, in my head, I'm thinking, right, thoughts of, you know, we might be on here for a really fast time and, and possibly even the record were entering my head. But again, just, you know, had to stay grounded Anything can change just like that. You just don't know. So focus on what you can control. And and that was just the pace that I was going at at that particular time. Finally, I, I think it was maybe at three hours 45, the sign came down telling me what distance we'd covered. And it was three hours 45, 2.5 kilometers to go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the record is uh, was three, uh, four hours 37. So I'm thinking, right, I've got well, like forty-five minutes to go, two point five k's. Like that's that's not too bad. <laughs> I might have stuck my head up and and said, "Holy, well, ho- ho- holy, holy, <laughs> something!" And, <laughs> and I I could see see the land. That was the first time I would breathed to the right. So uh, to all the listeners out there, don't do what I do. Breathe to both sides and balance out your stroke. But <laughs> I only breathed to my left. So. I breathed to the right and saw the land and thought, whoa, we're, we're so close. But again, just had to kind of stay, stay calm. I knew that we probably still had quite a lot of work to do. And the skipper had said the start and the finish is going to be the hardest parts. There's very likely to be localized currents and eddies that will suck you out to, to see, or, you know, won't work in your favor. And that was, that was the case. We were approaching the North Island and... The guys on the boat were, were telling me to pick up the pace, even though nothing had changed in my, my my stroke, you know, I was maintaining the same stroke rate of 60 strokes per minute. They were telling me to lift the pace and, you know, that 2.5k, it, it took about 45 minutes to, to in that last, last stretch because the tides were turning. I could see the guys on the boat getting a bit more animated. We'd gone through a few feeds and I knew it was going to go down to the wire. As as soon as I saw the waving arms and and such like that, you know, I I knew it was going to be close. So (laughs) I just threw everything I had left at the wall. And, you know, very fortunately, we we got in just under the the previous
1: record. That's an amazing result. And seeing what you uh, have done with previous swims, you've been very close to some other... (laughs) <laughs> records for, for long distance swims so how is that feeling actually getting the record when you've been so close on a lot of other occasions
0: i, oh, I mean obviously it's it's just like a dream come true to go and so, set well i suppose to be the fastest time of all time of a particular crossing for me personally you know any of these channel swims it's just such a huge achievement to to complete them so that's that's always the first goal completion is key uh, and then you know, anything above that, the, the way I see it, anything above that is is a bonus. So yeah, in, in a few of the previous swims that I've done, I've been, you know, just just off records. I think Rot Nest at the time it was only four minutes off. Same with the North Channel, only four minutes off the record there. So it was quite nice to be four minutes
1: under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Guys, your wife that's fantastic. And uh and one thing I haven't mentioned so far uh, but i'm sure people will have read probably in in the show notes here if they've listened to the podcast on spotify or somewhere similar is your overall goal is to do the ocean seven within 365 days within a, a year that's the the big overarching goal and this being your third swim so you've done the english channel you've done the north sea now done cook Strait, and you have got four more to go
0: yeah that's right so when when i embarked on this uh, the core purpose was to use swimming and the ocean simmons as a vehicle to raise money and awareness for mental health mental health is a big and important issue that's quite close to my heart and you know off the back of the winning the rotten s channel swim in 2021 we'd raised about fifteen thousand dollars. so i knew that it was a great tool and capable of of Bringing attention to an important cause, and so I'd set goals, quite, well, quite, quite lofty goals, such as trying to do the Ocean Simmons in a in a year to try bring more awareness to to what we were doing and the and the, the core purpose behind it. So yeah, uh, we we've done free swims so far. I, I did the English Channel in August. So uh, going off that, the the goal is to try complete
1: the remaining four by the end of July. This episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by our sponsor, Form Goggles. They're more than a pair of goggles, meet the world's most powerful swim platform. See yourself improve with Form Smart swim goggles, including a free one-year membership when you purchase your goggles for only 228 US dollars. Now they've currently changed up their offer where you can now get the goggles and you have that one-year membership included for free. And then if you'd like to continue with the membership, going forwards, it's only 15 US dollars a month, where you get access to their workouts, training plans and their custom workout builder. But you'll always have access to the real-time data of the goggles, so you'll never lose access to that. So if you'd like to swim without stopping to look at a pace clock or your watch and get live metrics right inside your goggles, including your time, distance, pace, they are right there in your goggles with form goggles. I've used these for over 12 months now, and I'm a huge fan of these goggles and use them for a majority of my sessions. And find them very helpful, especially for gauging my time, my effort, and my pace. And I think it's a very helpful tool for the majority of swimmers that I would normally work with. To get your pair of form goggles and save 15% off, use our link, formswim.com forward slash effortless, or use the coupon effortless at checkout. And that will get you 15% off your pair of form goggles using our special link, formswim.com forward slash effortless. Or use the coupon code effortless at checkout. Is it coming into the windows when you're able to do those swims with weather and temperature and all those sorts of things?
0: Yeah, that's that's it, Brenton. So, you know, organizing these swims has been <laughs> quite a logistical challenge. They're all spread out across the world. They all have their own unique challenges and and particular times of the year where it's it's better to Uh, attempt them in more sort of consistent and favorable weather. So, things like the Cook Strait, you know, the weather's a real unknown variable. It's one of the windiest places in the world. The channel basically acts as a wind tunnel. So, there are very few opportunities to swim during a calendar year. So, you know, luckily enough, I've been able to organize and and book in slots for the remaining four. But, you know, when you get there, it can be quite tough because, you know, unlike traditional swimming where you pretty much know... Which day, which heat, all the, almost down to the minute where you'll be swimming with these marathon swims here, such as the Cook Strait. You know, you, it's 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 not like that, and you could be like like
1: I was sitting around for for several weeks waiting for your opportunity to swim. What are you doing in that time where you're having to wait? Because I imagine it would be a little bit frustrating. You might be a bit of doubt. Am I actually going to get to do this thing? <laughs> and you've probably got the fitness there you are you, trained up you're ready to go but you've just got to sit around and and wait. So what are you what are you doing in that time and how are you keeping yourself mentally switched on ready for the swim? Yeah, that's the real challenge uh, in my eyes. So I mean,
0: obviously there's the physical challenge of these swims but the mental challenge and that uncertainty can really play on on your mind, you know. For me, we had a few false false Green lights, I suppose, where the organisers thought that a particular day might be favourable, they'd be saying, "All right, we're, we're looking at Tuesday," and then come come the Sunday evening, and ah, no, it's it's, it's an no go. So it's really about managing your emotions. For me, you know, I like to be ready, I like to be prepared, and and almost ready to you know jump into spring into action when when you get the go ahead. But at the same time, you don't want to be, you know, thinking about it all. every second moment, you know, because it can be quite fatiguing and taxing. So I was just trying to, you know, create a routine that I could stick to. I was maintaining my swimming and trying to maintain the sort of strength exercises that I've been given to to do. But also, I think it's just important to enjoy the time that you're there. I mean, a lot of these swims are in some fantastic places around the world, and it's almost a shame to go there and, and not really see it so i was i was trying to get out and around see some of the sites meet the locals and and really just capitalize and, and enjoy the opportunity given to you so most people would have seen waiting around for three weeks is something that was a bad thing but for me it was one of the best experiences <laughs> i think that ever happened to me so i i was very grateful for my time in wellington i, I got to know some really incredible people and uh, i think that helps when you've got good people around and you're not just getting stuck in your own head thinking about this one.
1: Mm. Yeah. And that I think Wellington from, I don't know all the open water swimming communities, but I know a lot of people from Wellington and they've got a great community of swimmers there. Like a very, you know, not a, it's not a huge population by any means, but very sort of tight knit and passionate swimming community, which is terrific. And I think viewing it that way, being able to just enjoy that time off go sightseeing, Meet the locals and and actually enjoy the place that, that you're in is a great way to keep it keep sane and just take your mind off the off the swim and I mean we'll probably have quite a few people listening to this podcast in some of the other locations that you're you're going to and uh, you know, they might might end up reaching out as well and just saying hey you know take you around show you around if you if you're kicking yeah. it out for a couple of weeks as well hopefully you're not having to kick around <laughs> for too long and you can just get that the swim done but I'm sure you'll have people reach out. And uh, some people are probably wondering, what's your background? How the hell can you hold 110 pace for across the Cook Strait? Just you obviously haven't started as an adult. And I know your background's in competitive swimming. Do you want to talk a bit about uh, that and what you're working towards with your competitive swimming career and, and sort of what eventuated from there?
0: Yeah, sure. So I, I uh, grew up in the west of Scotland as a pool swimmer, predominantly sort of 200 meters, 200 freestyle, 200 backstroke, 2 fly, 4 IM, all, all the fun events and was very fortunate to get to a stage where I was, you know, racing for my country, going around the world and swimming with some of the best swimmers around that ultimately took me across to Western Australia uh, back in 2012. And that's where I discovered open water swimming. So got, got into that. and. I just absolutely, absolutely loved it. There's just something different about it. It was quite a nice change of scenery, not having to be around the pool poolside all, all the time over your weekends. You'd, you'd be traveling to some of the nicest uh, locations around and swimming in some absolutely pristine waters. So I really loved it. But in about 2016, I'd had a few hopes to try race on the international stage. Um, it wasn't looking likely with either Great Britain or Australia, but I was exploring opportunities to maybe swim for Indonesia, which is where my mother's from. And when those didn't really seem to appear possible, I stepped away from the sport and I was, I was 25 at the time and thought, you know, I've dedicated so much of my life to swimming and I think I was neglecting other areas like my career. So I'm an accountant. And so I wanted to spend a bit more time pursuing that and growing and building a career and thinking about life after swimming. And it was a bit of a shame. I I probably left the sport not having really achieved the things that I wanted to or feeling a bit unfulfilled and perhaps in my own view, you know, as a bit of a failure. So I was, I was a bit burnt out from it all. So, you know, I didn't actually have any intentions to to come back to the sport, like not in a competitive capacity at all. But, you know, it's, it's funny what happens in life and during the coronavirus, I found myself coming back to swimming as a way of managing my mental well-being. One of my friends during lockdown invited me to come swim along the coast and through those swims from Trigg Beach in NWA to Sorrento. Yeah, I just re- rediscovered this passion for the sport and, and swimming. And that's just how much I missed it as an incredible thing as part of my life. So yeah, was was very fortunate in that regard and you know, blessed that that happened to me during, you know, a worldwide pandemic. What is it about the sport that you think drew you back? I think there's a number of things. I mean, obviously there's the physical benefits of swimming. It's a full body workout, but I think from a mental aspect, you know, you're in the water, but you're with nature, you're out in the elements. Um, and there's time for you to be alone with your own thoughts. I don't think there's many things out there in today's world in society where that happens. You know, you're always connected. You're always, you know, if you go on the train, everyone's looking at their phone or listening to music, but when you're in the water, it's just you and, and you know, and, and nature. And I think there's something very freeing and liberating about, you know, you're swimming, and it is peaceful there's a breathwork element to it which is i think has you know a, a very calming effect and then once you've done your swim you know there's there's the community aspect of it and all these people around you in for the same reasons and you know with many of them working towards particular goals so through the process of these swims i got started to get quite fit again and you know, with a bit of encouragement from that friend that invite, first invited me down, a guy called Martin's Movie. He suggested maybe maybe you should revisit some of your old goals and, and, and see what happens. And so from there, this would have been in mid-2020, I decided to get back into swimming and have a crack at trying to win the Rottnest Channel Swim, which is the big open water swim here in Perth, Western Australia.
1: And then, so you're working at the time or had you quit your job at that stage? I'd quit my job at that
0: stage. So yeah, to, to uh, wind back a bit, I spent a number of years, I essentially coming out of swimming, you know, when you transition out of the sport, it isn't easy, you know, you, you almost have this huge void and all this time on your hands. Like I used to train maybe 20 to 24 hours a week and, all of that free time is now at your disposal. So I, I ended up throwing myself into my job and, you know, working in the city, long hours, doing the chartered accounting studies, the financial planning studies. I was burning the candle at both ends. I'd come home after a long day and spend another two or three hours reading a book on tax. So I did that for a number of years and, and things in my life weren't balanced. You know, I was neglecting my health. I wasn't swimming that much. And... You know it all came to a head in 2019 so i ended up quitting my job and, and going overseas to travel for indefinitely which you know at the time was something i'd always wanted to do and you know fortunately for me COVID brought me back to perth and uh, got me back in the water during the lockdown so yeah it was this uh, big i suppose roller coaster of a journey which ultimately brought me back to the thing that i'd been doing all my life that was my common ground and and the place of oh I, I don't know how to word it like just familiar ground I suppose
1: mm. and it's uh, because going from full-time training to then full-time work would be very very challenging like i I haven't competed at the the level you have however just when even just going from when I was in high school training like during school holidays you're training eight nine times a week and it's full on. And then you've, you've got this transition to, you know, just to, to something different where there's other things going on. Uh, like it's very like I tend to go into no swimming as well. That is a, a huge change in terms of physiologically as well, mm. where you're just sedentary for those 20 to 24 hours a day, instead of actually moving and getting those, those good chemicals running mm. through you. And you might look in the mirror and go, oh, yeah, this, is what's happening to me as well, you know, compared to what you used to and, and just how you feel. So, I can imagine how how hard it would be. And I've got this I've got a friend who was playing AFL for I think the last 14, 15 years and he retired last year. And I saw him saw him uh, 2 weeks ago and he's he's now a farmer and he's gone just full-time into work, but it's a physical physical work and he was talking about that transition from playing AFL for 15 years to now not not playing at all. And, but he feels like he's been able to get through that transition fairly well because he's busy all the time, but it's physical work <clears throat> and his mind's always running and, and it's been all right for him. But I think if it was sitting at a desk for those 60 hours a <laughs> week, instead of being out and about on the farm, it would be a very different story.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's, i it, look back at it and, you know, I, I, as, as challenging as it was, I, I wouldn't change a thing because I think. You have to experience that to, to ultimately understand and know what you need. You have to go through that adversity to to kind of have that growth and and get some meaning from it and and really value what's important to you. So, yeah, it, it was a journey, but it was it was well
1: one that was well worth worth going through. Mm. And I've heard that from a lot of people where the most challenging times in their life where. Maybe they weren't happy with what was happening, or they they wanted a different situation. It's it's those things where you actually make that that turn and actually realise right what I really want to be doing. And it's you've got to go through those hard times to come out and you know, have the have the good times. Like it it sounds like you're having having now. So it's uh, as much as as difficult as they are to go through, and at the time you can't see where it could take you in the in the long run. Uh, Looking back in hindsight, you go, "Yeah, okay, I'm actually glad I went through mm. through that because uh, it's led to this." So, yeah, yeah sometimes it's it's necessary.
0: Yeah, 100 percent.
1: Now, what's your training like at, at the moment? How many hours a week you're doing? How many k's a week you're doing? Because I know a lot of the people listening will be will be running wondering what what's a typical week look like for you. Uh, so, at the moment, it's
0: one swim a day, so uh, two hour sessions, which we'll cover maybe six or seven k's in a session uh, i'm swimming with a group called city of perth swimming club and what i'll tend to do is at parts through the year i'll maybe ramp that up to to get a bit more sort of distance into the arms and and build that aerobic capacity but uh, you know for me and my coach o and carol we really want to work on on quality work and and just make sure that the whole process is enjoyable obviously there's going to be tough sessions and you probably won't be enjoying them at the time. But overall, you know, it's, it's something that we want to be able to look back at and think, you know, I really valued that, you know, journey and and, and the work that we did. And, you know, I think it's, it's certainly coming together in the swims like the Cook Strait, the the swimming work and the gym work. So twice a week, I'm doing strength and conditioning with, with a guy called Ryan Evernden, who is a former swimmer himself and, and you know, I think has gone through injuries and, and realized the importance of, of SNC and, and managing those and, and getting the best out of yourself, even for the longer distances. So yeah, our approach has always been to try work smart. Always, you know, hard work will always get you somewhere, but
1: smart work will get you further. That's the, the kind of mantra that we try to apply to everything that we do. And do you think the one session a day rather than double swim days is that helps a lot with that like just the recovery mental side of it i
0: think i the double sessions are really good having that fatigue in the body and having to train through that you know replicates the latter stages of these marathon swims so i'll definitely introduce the afternoon sessions as well once i get back into the swing of things i think yeah growing older i'm 32 so I, I'm older than I was, I suppose, but with, <laughs> with, you know, with 25 years in this sport, I've started to realize the importance of things like recovery, making sure that, you know, go from the massages, eat well, hydrate well, any injuries or niggles, get them seen to as early as possible because, you know, we can only get the best out of ourselves. I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here, but like... <laughs> It really is such an important thing. And if you do want to get those one percenters, you know, these things all contribute to that. So yeah, it, it's certainly been a, a mindset shift since since my younger days in the sport. And, you know, we're looking at all aspects of training and recovery instead of just trying to flog ourselves in the pool all the time.
1: And you talked about doing quality sessions. Can you define what, what quality is to you? What are you and your coach thinking of in terms of, Making sure the sessions are quality?
0: Well, I'll, I'll answer this by rewinding a bit. So, when I got back into the sport in 2020 and targeted trying to win Rotten Est, a lot of the guys that I was going to be up against were, you know, some of the best marathon runners in the country, guys that were on the Australian team. And so I, I sat down with my coach Owen, and, you know, one of the things we said was, we're not going to be able to out train these guys. So like, they've been training you know non-stop for the last x number of years whilst you know i've been overseas and and not particularly looking after myself
1: enjoying yourself (laughs) yeah
0: yeah (laughs) but maybe we can train more specific and and targeted uh, than them towards the rottenness on a a 19.7 kilometer um, event so one of the guys i'd reached out to a friend of yours sam shepherd over in melbourne he'd won it in 2019 and done something similar, he'd come out for time and to take on the challenge. And, you know, we talked for a long time on the phone, I remember it, about quality sessions and, and working at those paces that are working even faster than the paces that you wanted to be holding during the swim. So for me, you know, I had this idea of trying to make train at sort of 108 pace, being able to make that new bread and butter over 100 meters and really comfortable so that on the day if i was swimming at 112 so i'd be able to do that with my eyes closed uh so that involved you know sessions where we might be doing short rest 100s and a long course pool on on 105 and just really challenging the body but making that possible so that you could drop back to 112s and, and that would be adorable so when it did come to the race day you know i was able to come out of the blocks go into that comfort zone at 112 and it was probably just a pace that was a bit faster than what everyone else had planned to go out at and ultimately it led to leading from the start and, and just developing this lead that was unassailable by about the 15k mark and it just meant that when we came up to the finish in, in the pro's rot nest this uh, lead was about six or seven hundred meters and I could really just enjoy them enjoy the moment not have to stress about having to sprint into the finishing and really soak in the whole experience
1: and when you're saying 105s what are you you're coming in on 105 what are you leaving up leaving on leaving on 105 so coming in leaving on 105 yeah. right yeah, yeah Jesus. so i mean yeah you i know like that
0: would be the sort of top end of of what i can do um and i wouldn't be able to do too many of those like but you know something like 110s we'd be able to do them until the cows came home so yeah it's just really trying to work in those zones work in the threshold zones and just you know I think as a as a sort of fundamental having good technique and always trying to look at ways to improve that you know when you do these swims these big swims if you think about how many strokes you're going to be taking you know if your techniques not up to scratch or you're doing things that are loading muscles that shouldn't be loaded uh, it's going to make it a lot harder so that was something that we wanted to make sure that we get right before we loaded the body and started putting stress on on some smaller muscles that might not be as durable as or as strong as
1: ones that you could you could be using was there anything that stood out to you or comes to mind with your technique that you did focus on (laughs) Oh, <laughs> I'm speaking with
0: a technique guru, so I'm, I'm not too sure uh, what I can think of. You know, for me, I think getting a good pull and catch has always been an important thing. We were doing a lot of single arm work and band work to, to really focus on on our catch, getting early catch. And, and long band use. work
1: with a, with a band around your ankles, or are you talking like band out of the water? Oh, sorry, band, band around the ankles. But yeah, single arm, that,
0: you know, that was, you know, the art go-to drill and, and just taking time to isolate one arm at a time and, and really think about your hand entry and, and making the most of every stroke.
1: Yeah. I had coach Brant Best on the podcast recently, and he was talking about that drill as well with single arm drill. If have only got one arm to think about, and you can really dial in some of those changes. Like I have a lot of swimmers that I see who are over-rotating <clears> and particularly to one side. And if you get them do single arm on the left side and then on the right side, you'll see one side, they're normally pretty good. The other side, they're not. And so you can work on a drill like single arm mm-hmm. to just refine it and, and find that better balance or you know, improve a catch or whatever it might be. So I think but there's a reason it's a real go-to drill mm-hmm. for swimmers, especially at, at your level. And I've seen that with, with a heap of other elite swimmers uh, such as yourself. So it's, um, yeah, it's not surprising that that's a, a go-to drill. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of the, the training, I think, I did the rottenness swim in 2018, I think it was. One of the mistakes I made in leading up to it was I didn't do enough threshold work. Mm. I was just doing things a little bit too easy. And distance-wise, it, it, it was fine, but I just don't think I trained myself. I didn't train enough at those slightly faster faster paces, and I paid for that towards the the back of the race. Mm. And yeah, in hindsight, obviously we, we get a lot wiser with, with hindsight, and as we get older, you know, we become more aware of. Yeah, if, if we're this smart at, at 2021, 20, I, I think we, oh. yeah, you, can generally, you could, could go a lot further.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you, you just you just don't know what you don't know. Like, that would have been a, a steep learning curve, no doubt. But, you know, having done it, you know what you could be doing for the next time. And did you ever go back and, and do it again? Or did it lead to any other ones? or? You managed mm, no, managed not. to resist the the slippery slope because once you do it, you know it, it's hard to
1: stop. Yeah, well, I think coming from Melbourne, it's a little bit easier to not do it the the next year. If I was in, if I lived in Perth, I think yeah, I'd I'd probably be doing it each year. Mm. Well, it's easy to say that, you know, coming from yeah from yeah. <laughs> when I live over here, yeah, a, um, team. You know, a bit, Yeah, in a <laughs> team, that's right, and it's easy to organise boats and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But. Uh, no, so I haven't done any longer swims. However, the last I'd say six months, as I've started to get back into swimming a bit more regularly since COVID, mm-hmm. I've I've been a lot better with hitting the right zones in training, mm-hmm. and I've noticed a huge benefit to it. So mm-hmm. I can see if I do take that route, that it's going to be I'm a lot smarter now with long distance swimming than I was in the past. And and talking to swimmers like yourself, and then I had Solomon Wright and Heidi. And young, again, yeah. Again on the podcast, when they won it that <coughs> year, and just listening to what they were doing in training, I'm like, okay, I know what I'm missing yeah. here. And this would have been great information to have prior <laughs> to it. But as you said,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hindsight's great. That, that's it. No, both, both great swimmers, Hayden and
1: Solomon. So, yeah, they, they're, they're yeah. smart. They know what they're doing. And so, so. It's pretty awesome. And so at, at the moment, what's your what's your sort of routine at the moment? You're obviously doing quite a bit of training. Are you working as well? What's your routine like? I
0: bought a business with a couple of friends of mine. Uh, we bought, of all things, an industrial cleaning business where we have a team of staff that clean for the mining companies. So cleaning dump trucks and excavators, all the all the equipment that you'll see being used up at a BHP or a Rio, Rio Tinto mine. And so I'm effectively the bookkeeper or the the financial controller of that. And yeah, that, that keeps me busy. But the the fortunate thing is I get to work from, from a laptop, wherever, wherever in the world. So that's been a real, you know, game changer for me. I don't have to be in a particular place all the time. And, you know, it allows me to, to, to do what I'm doing here with these ocean seven swims and I can still work and and have an income.
1: That's a great. Great setup and must be much easier than working for someone else to you wouldn't be able to get the leave or <laughs> you have to have a very lenient boss, I think, to have you do what you're doing. So <laughs> when did when did you buy that? How long's it been? Oh, I thought it
0: would have been September twenty twenty one. So we've had a yeah, a year, year and a half now. It's has certainly come with its challenges when when things don't go wrong, it kind of falls on your shoulders. There's no one else to blame. But at the same time, it's been hugely rewarding and an incredible learning experience. You know, we're, we're sort of in control of our own destinies and building a business that hopefully we can get to a size, and maybe consider selling it in a couple of years. And, you know, I think when you've got that knowledge and experience of doing something like that, it's, it's very
1: transferable into other things down, down the line. Absolutely. I was just curious as to how yeah, how you were managing <laughs> to do such a big year of swims with working and funding it and all that sort of stuff. So that's that's fantastic. And one thing I, I want to just go back to is the strength and conditioning. So talked about you working with a, a strength and conditioning coach who was a swimmer in the past. What sort of stuff are you doing at the moment to keep your shoulders strong and, and handle the load that you're doing and the distance that you're doing?
0: So there's I suppose the usual things like like single leg squats and all these exercises that aren't necessarily about building muscle, but it's more about strengthening areas around the muscles and the ligaments. Uh, if you think about long distance swimming, you know, you're really putting things under duress and you tend to get oh well, I, I certainly tend to get sore in those sort of minor muscles that aren't even really being used. So I'll get it. In my hip flexors, for example, and you know I'm, I don't really kick that much, but over time, that tiny little bit of kick that balances your body does start to add up. So you know we're doing things to try strengthen those or or make them more durable. Many swimmers might get you know pins and needles during these long swims, and that's you know my understanding of that is just uh, sort of less blood circulation to your fingertips. So fortunately the guys at formidable strength and conditioning, they they're willing to try new things and and seek new options to address issues like that. So for that, you know, they have these sort of bracelets that you put on each arm and they inflate almost like when you're getting your blood pressure taken at the doctors. Uh, and so they're constricting the blood flow to your arms and we're doing our pull-ups with those on and almost trying to replicate that feeling out there when you might be at the 15 kilometer mark where you might be at the 20 kilometer mark where you're starting to lose feeling and dexterity in your fingers and your hands because i think it happens to us all like i certainly had it in the cook Strait. i developed the claw after about three hours and <laughs> tried to like my fingers and my hand got stuck like this. <laughs> I tried to like open it up, and it was stuck in the cloth for the remainder of the swim. But again, like like Team Sky, you know, ten years ago, and Dave Brailsford, you know, we were all we're always looking for those one percenters and and ways to improve. And over the length of a marathon swim, it, it does make a huge difference, and can be the the four minutes that you need for
1: <laughs>
0: you know going either side of. On the target
1: yeah that's exactly right i've seen michael andrew use those b- before and uh, i've sort of looked into them a little bit but hadn't uh yeah hadn't sort of thought about the this behind their use so that's that's a really interesting hmm. one and so how long would your your gym sessions or your strength and conditioning sessions go for uh, probably
0: about an hour you know we don't want to make them too long and you've got I think you know there's that balance between too much training and and having life so <laughs> trying to trying to make sure that it's I mean obviously I, I love what we're doing and I love the training but I think swimming is there to to sort of be of benefit to you not take over your life uh, it's supposed to yeah swimming's there to complement your life not take over it so Getting that balance between training and, and other areas is, is
1: really important and that's what we try to do. What do you love to do outside of swimming?
0: Uh, well, I I love the outdoors. So I try to get, get outside, go down the beach or, or go on hikes uh, as much as I can. My older sister lives in Perth and she's just had a baby boy. So I'll try to go and spend as much time as I can with, with her and, and her family. So. Yeah, it just it's I suppose quite a, a normal down to earth outside of the pool life for me. But yes, yeah, you know, I I feel very fortunate to live where we do in Perth. The the weather always really nice, blue skies, very few clouds. But you know, every now and again, I, it's good to get back to Scotland. So I'll you know it's been a few years since COVID, but I think I'm going to try get back every every year or two.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, there's something about like it it doesn't need to be uh, out there does it i mean i think about what i love to do and it's just it's i love being outside whether that's in the surf on on the Mm -hmm. mountain bike or just there's something about being out outside and i had the iron man world champ on from last year Gustav eden and he said why have you always got a smile on your face when you're training i always just see footage and you're just always smiling and he said i just love being outside and i thought that's the simplest best answer i've heard <laughs> why do you do what you do it's uh yeah there's something to it
0: <laughs> oh i
1: 100 agree i think there's something
0: about being in nature that, that is just really calming and beneficial so
1: no i 100 percent agree with that and what surprised you so far about your quest to do the ocean seven in a year is there anything that's that surprised you that maybe you weren't expecting <laughs>
0: I think, it, and it's been probably a pleasant surprise, just how lovely the swimming community is. Like, I've met, I've just been so fortunate to meet such incredible people that are involved or attached to the sport, in like for all these different reasons. And like, I'm a people person. I love to understand the why behind things, and you know, there's some incredible stories that these people have of why they swim. And for me, that's been the most fascinating thing. Just meeting the, the people that are involved, the people that make all of these swims what they are and then just getting to know others through this sport. Yeah. It's, it's been the best thing about all of this and you know, doing these swims swims like the cook Strait or the English channel, you know, they, they really are a privilege. Not everyone gets to, to do them. So, like I'm, I'm just very grateful for, for the opportunities and for being able to, to, to do them. And, you know, I think it's been such a valuable and such a valuable journey so far. So I'm just really excited for, for what's ahead.
1: Well, I'd like to wish you the best of luck for the remaining four swims <laughs> and whatever you choose to do after that. For those that are listening, what's the best way to follow you? What's your, your Instagram? And we'll put all these in the show notes mm-hmm. as well, but what's the best way to, to follow your journey? Uh,
0: so, yeah, uh, probably on on the social media. So, Andy Donaldson on Facebook or andy.swimming on Instagram. And, you know, I'll try to do my best to, to keep everyone informed and updated on there. We'll be heading over to Hawaii in April for the Molokai Channel Swim. That's what's up. And, yeah, just keep taking each, each one, one by one, one step at a time. I think focusing on the remaining four is, is probably too big to think about at the moment. So it's it's just these small bite-sized manageable chunks. And, uh, yeah, just, just enjoy whatever comes in we be giving it our best one way or another
1: absolutely and i know you raised money for the black dog institute as well so we'll put the link to that so if you are listening you'd like to support mental health and in a way i guess support what you're raising awareness for as well we'll include those in the show notes as well so and you, i've really enjoyed chatting to you and thank you for being on the podcast and i'm looking forward to seeing what happens over the next couple of months it's going to be really exciting and looking forward to following yeah on. no thank you
0: thank you so much for having me on brent and it's it's been a great yeah really enjoyed chatting with you too and yeah we'll be giving it our best for, for mental health. So yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com